What up, world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican Powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the Puerto Rican Kaiser himself, Christian Joe Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're going to review the, well, I'm, I don't want to say new, it's been out for more than a month now, but I just got around to seeing it. The new MCU project, The Marvels, directed by Naya DaCosta, written by Naya DaCosta, Megan McDonald, Eliza Karasik, based on the Marvel comics of Captain Marvel and the Marvels. Uh, team, I guess you can say, produced, of course, by Kevin Feige, starring Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, or her character, Tiana Paris as, I guess we're going to call her uh, Captain Rambo for now, uh, and of course, Iman, Bel yeah, Iman Bellani as Ms. Marvel, and, uh, I mean, in terms of the cast list is pretty large here, but we just, those are the three focal characters, so this film came out not that long ago. It was pushed back, right? Its original release date was supposed to be back in March, May? May might have been great for May, right? But because of the, I believe the pending writer strike was going to happen or they predicted it could happen, they're like, we're or no, they wanted to change it to the holiday season, so they had something coming out, so there wasn't a huge gap between MCU projects because there's always been a slate of MCU shows between Loki Season 2, the new Echo show, She-Hulk, uh, my God, there's been a lot of projects for the Disney Plus platform specifically leading up to the, oh yeah, how can I forget the most dreadful one, uh, Ant-Man Quantumania. I don't want to say dreadful, but it wasn't what it was supposed to be, right? It's like sometimes you have a vision of something and it this doesn't work out because the ending was a bit shit. And, and also a couple characters are missing, you know, but outside of that, it wasn't like the best. It wasn't the worst. It was definitely just... What we, I mean, if we're being unfiltered here, the MCU has been in a weird flux, right? Ever since the pandemic, it's been kind of hard to get a good through line with the whole universe. And I understand creating a universe is hard. Hell, I understand making a film is hard. So I'm not shitting at the project. I'm just basing it off the overall MCU. The quality has dipped, and we don't know where it is. I can directly tell you where it is. Too much... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Too much confidence on brand name and not enough ingesting of good script writing. And again, I'm not shitting on the writers. It's what the studios want from the writers. Okay, If the writers were to do things unbothered, it, every movie would have been a hell of a lot better. But because they got to meet certain protocols, certain things, and of course, certain executives who I will not name because I'm not going to spend time here just venting about what executives I love and hate. But there's a lot of weird, shady business shit going on where a lot of studios are essentially releasing films to bomb on purpose and claiming them as tax write-off. Like, again, these are allegated, all alleged stuff. I'm not going to go on record and say that's what happened and get sued for it. I'm just saying there's just a lot of weird things going on. It's just, and, and it's, again, it's the, the people up top who are making so much more money, right? That's where the strike happened. Versus the writers, directors, hell, even the people who are in the visual effects. People online keep complaining, oh, the visual effects have dipped in Marvel. Have they? It's not that they haven't dipped. I understand they dipped. But think how fast they're pushing these films. They usually come out maybe one or two of them per every three years or every two years. Now they're trying to pump these out like lead. And you can't just make these films. And again, quality versus quantity. You can pump out a million MCU movies if you want to. But their quality is going to dip unless you have situated teams with dedicated writers. 
again, dedicated producers. And it's a lot of work, it's, it's especially because I have to interconnect it from some form or another. Or make some sort of Easter egg into the con, uh, into the oh yeah I forget a little reminder hey yeah this is an existence universe and the Marvels was a great attempt because they had the Miss Marvel show on Disney Plus a year ago and I I thought it was charming it wasn't the best show ever it was more child friendly but in actuality it made sense because this isn't going to be a gritty superhero movie either it's about three space heroes who are fighting aliens in space, right? It's pretty much a PG-13, proper PG-13 film with a little bit of slight language, nothing crazy. You know, you hear a couple of shit bombs here and there. And again, it's a good movie to see in theaters, a popcorn blockbuster. It made sense that it would have come out in May, but pushing in November, they figured to make more money. I think it hindered it, but again, who's to say? Because they couldn't promote the films. The actors couldn't go on, on uh, Kimmel, Fallon, or or Myers and promote the film, or even go on any junket or any YouTube channel podcast to promote. They couldn't promote anything. They were on strike. And it took out most of the year, has delayed all filmmaking for the next foreseeable. Like, for example, I, I kind of made a joke about this. 2024 is the buffer year, meaning it's the year where you're not going to see a lot of projects. They're going to be getting worked on. But they're all going to come out in 2025. So 2025 is going to be an amazing summer, amazing full year of backed-up TV shows, movies, and any properties in between. 2024 is going to be a sucky year where like you're not going to see many good things come out because everything that's good came out or it's coming out in a couple years or even three or four years because that's how much the pre-production has been delayed. So that's going to be happening. So that being said, I'm just going to review the movie for what I thought of it and... That's fair enough. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put it on a scale of oh, is it good as Endgame? Nothing's gonna be ever be as good as Endgame. Come on here, use some use some sense. It's a movie about three superheroes just kicking ass with the galaxy. It's not that crazy. It's like Gar Guardians of the Galaxy, mind you, great film that came out this year. Even that movie didn't make a billion. You know what I'm saying? So like, again, there's a lot of things going on in hand with like finances and things going up, cost of living. Again, inflation was a huge one. People are just not going to movie theaters as much because. It's just cheaper to just stay home and binge watch movies because obviously if you got multiple kids, that's a ticket per child than your wife and your and your your spouse in general. So you got two adult tickets, you got multiple kids tickets, then they all want snacks and food. That shit adds up. One movie, which even on a Tuesday night, it ends up being a $200 bill because you're out here buying Wendy's or Raisin Cane's or McDonald's or whatever other chain restaurants you like for your kids and yourself and your, and your family because that's the... Let's be honest. The cheapest way would be a pizza, but you know what I mean. Like it's just, it's a night out. It's it's a whole thing. Movies aren't as cheap as they used to be, and let alone now they have bars in them, and now they have really good snacks and concessions. And kids always want candy, and you can go to the supermarket and get the one dollar brand stuff, but you never can plan ahead that much. Let's be honest. So movies have to count. If you're going to the theaters, you're going to make sure the movie counts. It's going to be an MCU project, maybe a DC movie film. Uh, movie, film, what am I saying? DC film. Uh, maybe it's going to be something of the likes of a musical a remake of something that was good when you were a child. Like, there's a lot of remakes coming out. You got the Wonka film that came out, the, the Mean Girls film. Mind you, both of them are musicals, which is a nice little twist. The Color of Purple has a musical as well, I think. And these are, again, established IPs. So the Marvels is trying to establish itself so people can enjoy the film in theaters and for the experience. 
I saw it in regular. I did not see it in 3D or... I mean, do they even still make 3D movies? I don't think they make 3D movies anymore. I think a lot of people just got over the gimmick. Well, it's not an IMAX. I didn't see it on IMAX, at least. I didn't see it in Dolby this time. I just saw it in plain old Cinemark Theater, which, mind you, great theater for people who haven't gone there. Um, it's a nice alternative to AMC, right? Just I can't just only go to AMC. I want to go to other theaters and give their money, my money, too. So, let's get on to the actual <laughs> review of the film. Now that I've gone through my spiel, which would have been 30 minutes, I did it in eight. So, that's as fast as I can get my, my notes out. So, that being said, of course... The plot is Carol Danvers destroys the supreme intelligence, which is like the brainiac of the MCU here, of the artificial AI that, or artificial, the artificial intelligence, the AI that leads the Kree Empire. Very reminiscent of Superman and Brainiac and all this stuff. And she ends up destroying it, which leads to a civil war and the desolation of the Kree homeworld, Hala. Over the next 30 years, the conflict renders the planet barren and it's lost its air water and sunlight essentially no resources in the a dying sun you name it it's just like we went from a beautiful thriving world home world for the Greek, and now it's just a desolate destroyed universe uh, destroyed world and they have to find a new home darbin the new leader of the Cree, discovers one of the two legendary quantum bands she harnesses the power of the band to tear open the jump point essentially Jump point is like a wormhole that takes from one dimension to another. Pretty much, uh, you can call it multiple things. It's uh, you can do a uh, you can call it a warp drive. You can call it. There's many names in this in many different science fiction uh, properties, right? This is the Stargate, whatever you want to call it. It's just the jump point from A to B, and I guess you can call it fast pass. <laughs> so a gateway allows fast travel across space. The resulting anomaly impacts the entire jump point network, including a jump point near Earth's Saber space station that is run by Nick Fury. Saber, being the sister um, organization of S.H.I.E.L.D., is strictly space travel and they deal with extracurricular activity, where S.H.I.E.L.D. is more defending the world of Earth. So, you know, it's different sectors. And it's also the funny... I, I, thought, I could have sworn Saber used to be called Sword, but I think it was Saber. So your Saber and Shield is kind of like your Knights, right? You have your Sword, your Defense, and Offense. And in the space station, Nick Fury has been here for a few years. Uh, so Captain Monica Rambo investigates the jump point near Saber, while Danvers investigates a new jump point that Darben opened. Then they touch their respective jump points, and Ram Rambo is transported where Dan Danvers' location is. And then Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel. We get introduced to her in the MCU in the movie here. Where, uh, whereas if you watch the show, you know who she is and how she, her personality. Of course, young high school kid, very upbeat and very much a super fan of Captain Marvel, right? She idolizes her. She's this uh, young Desi Muslim girl from Jersey City. And her powers came from her grandmother's bangle. And you'll find out why it comes into play here because the powers that unlocked in her are going to be very useful in this film. So they're transported to Rambo's location and Danvers is transported to Kamala's house. So the three use their different light-based powers to fight off Kree enemies, leaving the Khan family home destroyed. Poor family. This family is so great. On the show, they're all very endearing and loving. And even my friend who's uh, from work, he's like, he's like, uh, that's a very, 
That's the one thing I didn't like about the movie, the show, the uh, the Mar- uh, it's Marvel. What was it? The family's too nice. <laughs> they get along too well. I'm like, listen, it's a, it's a kids show. It's geared towards children. It's trying to show families in a in a light that's a little bit perfect, right? They're not exactly uh, <laughs> trying to show the realities of strict uh, conservative uh, Muslim parents here. <laughs> I mean, this, there is some of that in the show, but mostly it seems like. The strict parents, the mother, and the father's more relaxed and very, like, Americanized, even though he's obviously comes from that background. He's very much, like, too friendly and too likable. So, um, so let's see here. The three jump point situation is what the main plot of the film is. And the whole film, I'm not going to do this to read synopsis, is they're trying to stop this Darben from taking resources from multiple galaxies and different solar systems and slowly zapping it of its natural resource. And my God, it becomes this fun, dare I say, live action cartoon. And that's what movies should be, right? Like this movie does not take itself so damn seriously. It, it's got more lightheartedness, but it's not goofy to the point that it comes off too childish. Like it knows a balance. Like it finally hit a, I, I will say Brie Larson is very charming in this film and very funny too even though her character is the serious one, because it plays into it. It's almost like, I don't want to make this comparison because this is a terrible comparison. Here we go. It's like when Tom Holland took the role of Spider-Man, right? He has his moments he could be serious, but he's a way more lighthearted version of, let's say, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, who's like super emo and dark, and that whole series of his was way more like taking itself seriously and very grim. Whereas Holland knows how to have those moments of like levity. Like Spider-Man has levity. Whereas Captain Marvel, they didn't have to give her any levity. They didn't have to give her any characteristics of that at all, considering she's, you know, military captain turned hero. And her and her arc is just like very much like uh, living with the sins of her past. She's called the Annihilator in this film because she goes through the galaxy pretty much decimating armies on her own. She is the essential human definition of, of destruction like she just has everything that if we're being honest um she's like the superman of the mcu very much that her powers are from the sun she can't really be beat easily and in this film it took a nicer approach where the villain's powers are not based on how strong they are but like this quantum band almost like deflects or absorbs your power and uses it against you. So it's literally like you're fighting your mirror because no matter what you do, it, it's not going to be effective. And there's two quantum bands. So Captain Marvel knows that there's one, but the, the villain doesn't um, knows there's two and she's been searching for both of them and only found one on a moon in a tomb and the other one is missing. Where did, what, what, Where is this other quantum band? It's Ms. Marvel's has banned her grandmother, who's obviously a extraterrestrial. I think it was established in the show, Ms. Marvel, or some sort of being from a different world, a, a different dimension. And she got her banned so that it gave her the powers of what she can do. And that's turn uh, light into solid objects, meaning that she does shields. She can essentially, kind of like the Green Lantern, can kind of just turn anything in light. And it's a physical, like, giant fists or a slide or you know again very similar powers right but carol's is different carol's more like she is a supernova in human form and then you have monica whose light powers are used to be more like a ghost 
And if I'm to be correct, her character's hero name and should be Quasar, I believe. But she's actually the original Captain Marvel. That's right. The original Captain Marvel was black. And it was uh, Monica Rambeau. Or was it her mom, Maria Rambeau? I can't remember at this point. But nonetheless, it is an homage to it. Because in, later in the, in the film, when they get to a certain world, uh, you find out that Carol was actually a princess. She did it for legal reasons. Uh, <laughs> yes, a green card marriage. Uh, but no, for real. In this planet, everyone speaks in song. So it's literally like everyone breaks out in musical in the kingdom just because that's how they communicate. So speaking, they can't understand you unless you are bilingual. <laughs> I'm like, that's pretty clever, Hugh, in a way to toss in some singing elements. You know, Brie Larson used to be a former... Uh, I don't know if she's still in a rock band. I know she's a former singer because of Scott Pilgrim and other projects for Disney she did growing up. Of course, that stuff is out there to check out online if you care so much to, to check out her background. But it's a cute little part of the film I enjoyed. And also, uh, that being said, um, I will say that this film gave you three different characters from three different backgrounds. Uh, Monica, who felt abandoned by Carol leaving in the first um, Captain Marvel film. And um, she was kind of like, why you never came back and then Captain Marvel's like it's because I ruined everything and I wouldn't want this version of me to, to be in your life and she's like yeah but your family you should have been here regardless because I need somebody around the whole film is for really revolved around family between the dynamic of Ms. Marvel and her parents realizing she's now a full-on superhero doing missions in the space Ms. Marvel dealing with the fact that oh my god I'm in high school and I'm already a superhero working with my idol and we're here you know, and that things get real. It's just like she sees firsthand, like, hey, it's not all just bubblegum. And, you know, it, it's superhero stuff that she's seeing death happen because there is a part where uh, they can't save everyone because there's the scroll planet or a planet where scrolls on it. And because Captain Marvel intervenes, she um, the villain thinks that Marvel was uh, <laughs> sick on her in the pre. So it was a misinterpretation because she was there to do reconnaissance and recover because they're all constantly transporting each other into the, you know, just randomly. Whenever these are powers, they would just get trading places. And um, this cast is pretty great. I, I mean, Tessa Thompson makes a cameo here as uh, the Valkyrie. She's taking the scrolls who are on, who are who the living ones. Someone died, as Ms. Marvel sees us. Um, into her, I guess, uh, new Valhalla for them to live there in a community, have somewhere to stay. And then later on in the film, when they're escaping the space station, because um, Saber, uh, they have an infestation of uh, a Florkins, which are those cat aliens that can essentially have these giant tentacle mounds. And um, they're at the point where half the pods have been broken. They can't get escape everyone. So someone came up with a genius idea let the floor can just like, like freaking Kirby just suck in everybody, and we can fit as many cats on a, on a ship that don't weigh as much. <laughs> I'm like, this is nuts, and it's unhinged. I like it, and it's one of the highlights of the film. It's, it's like towards the climax here, and uh, in the end, obviously, you know, they beat the bad guy, but then it gets to the point where they have to close the holes, the jump ports. Because these are just holes in the universe, meaning things can come in from a different galaxy or, I guess, a different universe completely and also again it's like it's like time jumping right you want to just make sure that there's a butterfly effect similar with with uh these these wormholes you want to just shut them up so nothing 
bad comes into our world. God forbid a Thanos still exists in theirs or whatever it is. And in order to close it, I think it was Monica to close it up using her powers, but from the inside. Similar how Iron Man was able to shoot those missiles in the beginning of the Avengers movie, but he actually fell back in our world. And this time, she was left out. And then because she was left out, um, she got stuck in a different universe. And in the end, oh man, this is, so, this is where things get fun. So the Marvels reach the water planet Al Aladna, before Darben does repair the local population for an attack, Darben arrives and tears open the jump point to draw the planet's water to Hala. She almost steals Kamala's quantum band, forcing Kamala to flee with Danvers and Rambo. Darben's final plan is to use the energy of, Earth, of our Earth, the sun, and to restore that of their, their sun in Hala. So the Marvels fight and subdue Darben, but she steals Kamala's band and uses both bangles to tear open another home space. So the act destroys Darben. It ends in Marvel's entanglement and leaves behind a rupture between realities. And after Kamala reclaims the band, she and Amber's use their combined powers to energize Rambo, allowing her to close the hole from the other side, where I was telling you. Stranded there in the process, Kamala returns to Earth and Danvers flies to Hala's son, using her own powers to restore it. She thought she couldn't do it. She had no faith. And in the end, Kamala's like, you gotta try something. So the short-lived team-up inspires Kamala to speak out at other younger heroes to form a new group, starting with Kate Bishop of Hawkeye show. In the mid-cred scenes, Rambo awakens in a parallel universe where she's greeted by a binary, an alternate version of her mother, Maria, who's still alive and is a mutant scientist, and by mutant scientist Hank McCoy, voiced by the one and only Kelsey Grammer once again reprising the role of of Beast, but this time, instead of being in costume and makeup, it's full-on CGI, but it's such good CGI. It's like the Hulk, that kind of quality CGI. And I'm just like, oh, snap, the X-Men. This is how they introduce the X-Men into the MCU. Let's go. And then it's like, that's how you do it. You make a big deal out of it in the Marvel's universe, which ties things together, and it doesn't feel like you just tossed it in. It's like, what led to what? Ruptures in the universe. Thus, people jumping universes. So now... The MCU are kinetic to the MCU, and you'll see the first X Men per se in Deadpool because Wolverine, obviously, who Jack Enterprise rolls you as Logan and Wolverine, and who whoever else pops in because I'm pretty sure the Deadpool movies gonna have a lot of cameos, and they're keeping things a secret or trying to keep things a secret. I'm not trying to watch the spoilers or, or the leaked photos. I just wanted to see the Wolverine suit. That was it, and I really enjoyed it. But who knows if there's a Wolverine scene where the suit and he has the mask on. That's what I want to see, the full-on Wolverine. But if I can't get that, I'll take the banana yellow suit. That's that's fine by me. If there's no mask needed, not a big deal. But done, But now we actually can get that off my bucket list, seeing the Wolverine of comic books in live action. And I'm pumped for that when it ever does come out because I believe Deadpool is scheduled for March, might be pushed to like the summer or maybe a year. Who knows? It's going to get all changed up. But with that being said... This has been a review of the Marvels. Um, in my honest review, this is a good 76% film out of 100. It was decently, it was fun. It flowed. I can see why they didn't make it two and a half hours. It would have been too long for what story they're going for here. And I feel because of the whole teleportation aspect of it and the wormholes they're using with the jump port, uh, jump, yeah, the jump sections here, uh, it, it kind of made sense why things happened the way they did. And, it, again, there wasn't a long 
the story was pretty, again, like I said, like a cartoon, very straightforward. The plot was not too over the top, and the character development was good enough. And I like cosmic movies with, just like the Guardians. I like where we can live in this world where heroes aren't just solely tied to Earth. Like, they're going off of different worlds, and you can do so many outlandish things, and it makes sense in the greater scheme of things. So, with that being said, this has been the review of the Marvels. Um, let's see. Box office was $204.6 million. Budget was 278. Ouch. So, $70 million. If you people can manage to sneak in a view of this, I will guarantee you will have fun with this. Is it the best MCU movie? No. Is it the worst? No. It's somewhere in the middle. It's not even that. It, it was a lot better than people initially were overreacting online about. And it's definitely a fun film to see as well, too. Um, but yeah, this movie wasn't was good. It wasn't it was it was it was a great start to tying things in, and I really enjoyed really going with this. With that being said, thank you for tuning in as always the podcast mercenary show. I'm the podcast mercenary Christian Joe Ryan. We'll signing off till next time. As always, stay tuned for the next project. I'll be on your soon. All right, y'all take care and happy holidays.